0: goes to Brantley, driving up for the lead, no, he gets the ball, twisting out, Bullium! here he
1: goes for the lead, no, Boise State wins it.
0: continue to preview uh, Mountain West Conference teams in the big dance. we got Wyoming coming up tonight in the back end of the play-in. Yesterday, we got you ready for that Wyoming game with one of the dudes who covers Wyoming and Cody Tucker. And B.J. Reigns is one of the kings of uh, media coverage on the Mountain West Conference beat, especially with basketball. He's in Portland right now as we get ready for a game on Thursday. B.J., how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Kind words, uh... Right now, I'm just kind of pissing off other fan bases. It's been a heck of a few weeks with uh, Colorado State and Wyoming and San Diego State fans on Twitter, but uh, we're we're trying to see what we can do to have some fun.
3: So basically, you're just being yourself, Peach.
2: Willie <laughs> <laughs> really knows all about it. Yeah, like, I'm not afraid <laughs> to, to be a little Twitter troll and have some fun out there. It's supposed to be fun, but yeah, I don't know which fan base hates me more right now, uh, Wyoming or Colorado State or even San Diego State, but I guess. I guess if people don't like you, then you're probably doing something right, maybe.
3: And BJ has to be one of the most patient guys in the Mountain West beat, Steve, because I can't tell you how many times this dude has reached out and be like, Willie, hey, do you and I'm like, yeah, no problem. I got the hookup. I got the hookup. I'm like 0 for 4 on hookups that I promised him that I would do. So I owe this dude
2: What's your problem? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm the guy always asking for free stuff. That's me. But no, it uh, yeah. wasn't no, even I, that. It I, wasn't I, even that
3: because you 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 asked, hey, if I just want to get on that course or I just want to do this, even if it's a discount, whatever the case, I I I, I it just uh, that was a disaster. someday,
0: someday he'll come through. Uh, BJ, first of all, let's talk about uh, that angle of pissing off some of the other <laughs> fans um, and go back to the all uh, Mountain West teams from a media standpoint. And I saw you battling with some people, and I thought it was really interesting what the player of the year candidates and what those uh, eight or so guys who were competing for first team did in the mountain West conference tournament. I I thought in particular, you know, there were a lot of arguments on behalf of Matt Bradley and my gosh, he did not play well in the tournament.
2: No, he didn't. And you know, also, you know, I was courtside when he missed two free throws with uh, seven seconds left. That would have won. a game for them. He missed both free throws. Abu Kijab came down, made both free throws. So, and they won. So that one was earlier in the season and stuck in my mind and, uh, you know, I just kind of had the philosophy of best player on the best team. You have to have a spot somewhere on the first team for somebody from the outright league champion. So, uh, and it was nothing against Matt Bradley. I certainly think he was uh, worthy, but uh, you know, you couldn't have, I, I think it was seven. I, I had to cut off with seven guys that I thought really deserved first team. I didn't even have Hunter Maldonado on first team. I had that Graham E.K. instead, because I couldn't give Wyoming the team that finished fourth two first team players. So, uh, it was just a a really really hard thing, and all seven guys deserved it. You could only pick five, and when I made the decision that somebody from Boise State had to be on there, that pretty much left uh, no chance for me to to get uh, uh, Bradley on there. And you know, obviously, he's a heck of a player, and their best offensive player by far. They're going to need him to be huge in the tournament, but uh, unfortunately, you know, just uh, went with the league champion, and that certainly didn't sit well with uh, San Diego State fans. And I was kind of praying the coaches were going to follow up our media vote. And uh, unfortunately, the coaches did have him first team, so that just brought more on my way.
0: Yeah, I uh, I like Maldonado for the first team, but I will tell you this. Um, watching Abu Kijab up close more than a few times, watching him on TV, I think he's every bit the player. And if he was one of just two guys to score, then he would have averaged 19 points a game for Boise. So let, let's talk about the Boise side. And first of all, Kijab, because I, I don't get to cover him like you do. He's a really interesting kid. What a fun dude to cover. and. Kind of a fun guy to root for. I hate to say that around UNLV fans, but Kijab is really cool.
2: Yeah, transferred from Oregon. He's from Canada. He actually was born in Sudan, and his dad actually was voted to be, like, the president of Sudan one time, but then never even got to take office because, like, they changed the vote or he got overruled. Um, And so his parents, he moved to Canada, and uh, was actually on, like, the Canadian national team with R.J. Barrett. That like, was one of the first teams to beat the U.S. And Paul Weir, who was the uh, coach of that team, basically said that, Abu Kijab was, was the most important player and the reason they won that tournament. And so, um, you know, came over from Oregon, didn't have the greatest, uh, you know, career there in terms of what he wanted with the playing time and all that. But he comes to Boise and he's instantly been a, a team leader and, you know, he got wh- hurt late last season. So when they kind of had their end of season struggles last year and didn't uh, make it to the tournament, he had a dislocated shoulder, a torn labrum late in the season. That kind of was part of the reason for that. So, yeah, he's a, he's a six seven guy. He's a really crafty guy. He's, uh, you know gets to the foul line a lot he draws as many fouls as almost anybody in the league and so um, yeah he's just a, a leader on and off the court and uh, he's a great player and uh, you know that the offense kind of works through him and he's he's a leader and he's like I said doesn't put up the, the craziest stat line but in terms of importance to his team there, there may be nobody else more important in the mountain West and I know Mark Ziegler from the San Diego Union Tribune even put him as the player of the year in the league this year because he just thought he was that important to his team and it's really hard to argue that
0: yeah, I think what Leon Race put together here is is pretty interesting because transfers can be dicey and power five transfers, especially. But when you watch Boise walk on the floor, you're like, okay, I get it. I get why Kijab was a Pac-12 recruit. I get why ACOT was a Pac-12 recruit. I mean, they're they're big guys who can handle the ball, play the, you know, the two, three, or the four if you need them. And to me, that was one of the biggest benefits of uh, and positives of the the Broncos roster is that they kind of grew all together and they've got a nice veteran group.
2: Yeah, they took like four Power Five transfers, or four transfers, I should say, that were starters, you know, a couple from Arizona, um, and Marcus Shaver was from Portland, Armoosh was from East Tennessee State, ACOT was from Arizona, um, but then uh, they all had to sit out a year, and so they all set out for the year, played together on the scout team, and, uh, you know, did a lot of things together, and then now it's kind of working out the way it's supposed to, and so, yeah, they're a very old team, you know, everybody remembers the Nevada team with the Caleb Martin, you know, the Martin twins and stuff, I Man, I think Leon kind of took that, uh, you know, model, and so they've got all these guys that are older, and now with the transfer portal, you can do it even more without having to sit out the year. So I think that, uh, you know, this is kind of what he envisioned when he put this roster together. ACOT's a six eight point guard, you got Keyjab at six seven, Shaver, um, you know, at the guard spot, and then they added a freshman Tyson Degenhardt, to kind of was kind of the missing piece, and so it's been impressive to watch him this year, and and they've had a historic year. I mean, they've literally done. Everything possible uh, this year for the school, except one final thing—they've yet to win their first ever NCAA tournament game. they Their programmed 0-7 all time, and they've already established themselves as the best game and best team in Boise State history. But if they were able to find a way to win that first tournament game, they would, uh, you know, really, really etch themselves into the record books.
0: Long time Boise scribe uh, BJ range is with us. Now he's doing everything he's writing. He's doing video uh, with Bronco nation news. He set this whole thing up. It's a, an awesome follow at BNN Bronco nation. One last thing on the roster before we, you know, we break down a little more Leon rice and, and the game coming up against Memphis. Uh, confirm this for me. Our moosh is what? 34. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he is 24, 25. He actually
2: yeah. has a year left. Yeah. No, I, you know what? I was starting to chart next year and I'm like, Oh my God. This guy's coming back. Well, I don't know if he is. Yeah, he's, He might be ready to start his pro career. I mm, think okay. just he has a year left, and I think there was a, a large thought for most of the year he'd probably leave, but uh, he's having a lot of fun. I think he has a girlfriend that may have another year left at school or something, so maybe there's a chance he sticks around. I don't know the answer to that yet, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's like 20, 25 years old, and, and because he has, he's a senior, but he actually has the COVID year left, and it's actually very similar. Marcus Shaver's a senior, but has the COVID year left. Emmanuel Acott is a senior but has the COVID year left. The only player that really uh, doesn't have for sure eligibility left is Abu Kijab. So the only player for sure that's gone is Kijab. I doubt all three of those other seniors come back. Maybe one or two of them do. I mean, they have a chance, the way it's set up, to return almost the entire team. You think they're old now. If Akot and Shaver, and Armoosh, you know, all come back again next year, uh, it's pretty crazy to think about the, the, the you know sixth year seniors they've had on the team next year. But uh, I, I wouldn't expect all of them to come back, but I think one or two could.
3: So, V, this is a team that opened up the season before Mountain West Conference play, nine and four against non-conference teams. A couple of, um, you know, mentionable wins, uh, Mississippi, Temple, but then, you know, lost to uh, Cal Irvine, lost to Bakersfield. Which team, I mean, when you look at the non-conference slate, I mean, obviously it's grown, it's matured over the course of the season, but which team do you expect it to show up as far as, the maturity, the growth from when you remember back to this non-conference slate that it played?
2: Yeah, they started 3-4. and four. They lost to Cal Bakersfield at the lowest shooting percentage in the history of the school. They scored 39 points. It was the lowest point total in, in 12 years under Leon Rice. I mean, It was literally rock bottom. It was literally one of the worst offensive performances, the off, worst offensive performance in the history of the school. And you would say that was rock bottom, except like three nights later, they went 12 of 26 from the foul line, and they lost in overtime to St. Louis, and that dropped them to that dropped them to three and four. And after that game, they kicked a starter off the team, Devonair Dutrieve, Arizona transfer. They kicked him off the team. They moved Tyson Degenhart, the freshman, into the starting lineup, and ever since then, that started the 14 game winning streak. So they, they won 14 games in a row. Uh, they ended up going 24 and three after that point. So they went from three and four to 27 and seven. Uh, just a remarkable run, twenty-four and three. They've got three losses, in like the last three and a half months, and those three games were all winnable, close games. So, um, you know, their their biggest loss of the season is only like eight points. They haven't lost any games by double digits. They've been in every game. Um, you know, they win a lot of close games. So they're they, they don't get they, they don't get you know panicked. I mean, you guys saw in the Mountain West tournament, every game came down to the wire. They don't panic. They just make plays. Sure, a little luck's involved when a San Diego State misses a shot or a Nevada misses a shot at the buzzer. There's there's luck involved there, but um they they they, uh you know put themselves in position more times than not late in games and so i think the veteran you know presence we're talking about the seniors on this roster they just seem to not panic and so i I don't think an ncaa tournament game against a more athletic you know memphis type team i don't think they're going to wilt to the pressure or anything i don't know if they'll win but it won't be because they kind of wilted and they were the moment was too big for them i think this is a veteran team that's uh Been waiting for this moment for a long time, and I expect him to take advantage of it.
3: Well, you know what? You and Steve went up and down the roster, and you talk about the veterans, but you just mentioned Degenhardt. Let me tell you something. To take over the role that he did as a freshman and watch what he did in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, that kid plays like, I mean, he was impressive. I mean, so that's a kid that's not going to back down or be intimidated either.
2: No doubt about it, and he was actually not great in the first two games. I think the Wyoming game and the second game of the tournament, he didn't even score uh, but he comes back in the San Diego State game in the championship and hit like three threes in the first, you know, couple minutes of the game. Um, he can score on the inside. He can defend. But his, maybe his biggest asset is he's great at taking charges. And uh, I think against Orlando Robinson and Fresno, he took like three charges against him. Uh, he had a game where he took five charges this year. And and he doesn't flop. I mean, he puts himself in position and uh, makes sure that they're square and they've got to call him charges when he when he when he goes down. So uh, yeah, he's a, he's you know just he's going to be an all you know player of the year type candidate here in a couple of years before he's done. If he's already starting and, you know, averaging double digits or whatever he is as a freshman, um, I, I think he's got a chance to be really good. But they have a nice mix. You know, Max Rice, Leon uh, you know, is coming off the bench and hitting some threes. And they got a couple other veteran Juco transfers a center Lucas Milner and Najee Smith, the post player, who both are talented Juco transfers that come in off the bench and provide some key minutes. I mean, they've got a really nice mix of, and uh, like, you know, it's been 12 years or whatever it's been for Leon to get to this point. But he's got a really nice veteran mix, and, and uh, you can't just try to stop one guy like in previous years. Maybe it was a Derek Alston or somebody where, oh, if he had a rough night, they were done. No, they've got three or four guys. And anybody can step up on any given night. If somebody gets in foul trouble, you saw Lucas Milner come in off the bench and get two huge blocks on Nathan Mensa in the title game. So, I mean, they've just had a lot of guys step up, and it truly is a, a team that's uh, doing this, not just one or two players, and that's been the key to their success.
0: Who do we bet? Boise plus three?
2: <laughs> that's such tough. They, they feel so bad, like they hit you know, the draw is so bad. Like I said, it's the first team in Boise State history that's gotten you know all these records outright championship, regular season championship. They're ranked the highest they've ever been, twenty third in the AP poll. They've set all these records, twenty seven and seven, and yet they get stuck against one of the hottest teams in the country in Memphis, a big athletic team. They did play in the NIT last year. Memphis won by three, uh, but you didn't have Key or Max Rice in that game. Obviously, the rosters have, have changed a lot as well, but. Uh, uh, you know, If it's a close game, uh, you look at Memphis, they've either won a lot of their games by double digits or they've lost by double digits. Memphis has really not been in a lot of close games. Boise State's been in a ton of close games and won a lot of them. you got to think this is going to be a close game and that Boise State's got the, the veteran leadership to pull it out. But uh, certainly I think the raw talent, you'd probably give the edge to Memphis. But the intangibles and all that kind of stuff we've talked about, you know, I, I don't feel great about it for Boise State, which probably means they'll win because that's pretty much what they've been doing all season <laughs> long. And I do know that the, the Mark Few, Leon Rice, uh, round two matchup, the Gonzaga-Boise State, I know players would love to have an opportunity to play Gonzaga, so, um, you know, who, why not? I think, I think if you're getting points, uh, I think Boise State uh, can, can get it done, sure.
0: BJ, tell people in Vegas, uh, what do you have going on with uh, Bronco Nation news?
2: Yeah, we're having a lot of fun with it. Bronconationnews.com is the site, and I'd love to someday branch it out to other Mountain West schools as well and hire correspondents in those cities. I think there's potential to make this thing a bigger deal. But right now it's uh, just Boise State, and uh, we do pregame, postgame, live streaming shows, video shows, courtside. You know, postgame will show highlights and have interviews. And, uh, you know, we try to do as much as we can. We have, you know, other radio, TV guys in Boise to come on. and We do daily, daily shows in the morning. So it's a lot of uh, streaming video, kind of video podcast type stuff. And then we have, you know, the regular writing stuff as well. But in the new kind of digital age of media, we're trying to take advantage of that. And the Mountain West has been accommodating, and it's been fun to do. And uh, I I think there's a lot of growth and potential to see where it can go.
0: You know, we should mention one more thing real quick for a minute here. The travel struggles of Boise, and then we found out the NCAA kind of screwed over some of the teams in the Mountain West Conference. These things have to be fixed, right? I mean, for Boise to stay at this level, at least get to the next level, They've got to get a charter deal done, don't they?
2: Yeah, I don't know what the issue is with the NCAA. They they take care of all the uh, yeah they take care of all the travel for the tournament, obviously, and they tell you when your flight leaves. And Colorado State didn't know until 10 p.m. that they were leaving at 10 a.m. the next morning, and Boise State found out at 7 p.m. that uh, they weren't leaving until you know they were leaving at noon today. And so, yeah, the, uh, the NCAA takes care of that. They tell you to let you know about 18 hours before you leave. That's not always the case. Uh Boise State, you know, I think proved this year that they just need more charters in general. Um, they did increase the number they've had, and they, I think they saw some success from that. But, I mean, they couldn't get out after the championship game Saturday. And then their flight Sunday was supposed to be like a noon, 1 p.m. Southwest flight back to Boise. That got delayed. So they missed the selection. They were in the Vegas airport. They had a laptop propped up on a Krispy Kreme donut stand watching the selection show at the Vegas airport because uh, they couldn't get back to be with their fans. So, wow. yeah, there's certainly some some things need to be done with the budget and things like that. And I think that uh, the success they've had on the court this year is going to pay off in terms of uh, some new contracts for the coaches and some new money invested into the program. Thanks, BJ.
0: Have fun in Portland. We appreciate the time.
2: No problem, guys. Take care.
1: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company. Prior to the snap, ball we'll starts 83 83- Offense. Five yard penalty.
2: Wow.
0: Bottom line is the purple is imploding. Will the Vikings continue to be a clown show? Probably not with a new coach, but Kirk Cousins is back. And to me right now, everyone in the league should be kicking the tires on Deshaun Watson. Let's get into that. The list is expanding. I don't know if you pay a guy $35 million and then turn around and try to get Deshaun Watson. But we'll see, we'll see. There's some strange situations out there. Miles Simmons, PFT, is up. What's up, Miles? Hello, and how are you? I'm awesome, man. I love what's going on right now with uh, Deshaun Watson. I think it's a little bit weird that just a couple of uh, weeks ago, people were talking about morality and all the worries about you know bringing in Deshaun Watson, and now there's like 15 teams going after him. Uh, what's your <laughs> what's your take on what's developed the last couple of days? Now the Niners could be in. I love it. Uh, it's really skeevy sometimes when you think
4: about like <laughs> what exactly is going on and like why winning is prioritized over everything and all that. And, and you know, I it's, it, it's so strange for me, like in some ways to talk about this, because it's like you don't want to forget that there are still 22 ongoing civil suits alleging Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct but because the criminal matter of that is closed it's like all right well everybody submit your best offers line right up because here we go and so yeah you've got the panthers who have been in on this since time and memorial basically they clearly are very very desperate to get deshaun watson at whatever cost and frankly i think that if uh, deshaun watson wants to go to the carolina panthers then I gotta tell you, it's gonna. It, they are going to have to send back Christian McCaffrey. Like that would be something I insist on if I'm the Houston Texans. Like if you want him that badly. Um, and then now the Saints are involved, the Browns are involved. You know, maybe the Niners are involved. That one strikes me as a bit odd. But you know, I guess if you can go and get a, a proven commodity rather than somebody who you think may be able to uh, become elite, I, I kind of understand it. Um, but yeah, it's it's just. It's an interesting, you know, sweepstakes kind of deal. I I don't know. I I really don't know.
3: So, Miles, I mean, aside from the civil side of this, as far as the legal issues are concerned, he's got to be happy that people are willing to kick the tires. But I guess when it comes to a perfect fit or the fit for a system that he would fall right into place and making this team an immediate contender, what team do you see that? What system do you see him fitting in?
4: Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, if you look at the rosters right now, and this is not necessarily an original thought by me, but it really is the Browns that would make the most sense as in terms of where he goes and where they seem to be closest to contention. I mean, I know that they're the Browns are in the AFC, and you have uh, your AFC defending champions in the division, the Cincinnati Bengals, but... The Browns actually are a bad matchup for the Bengals in part because of the strength of what their defensive line was last year. I mean, they were able to rattle Joe Burrow a little bit in that first matchup that those two guys had. And they were able to take advantage of some things defensively. So I think now, especially that the Browns have added somebody like Amari Cooper, they still have guys on their offensive line who are very good. I know they let go of J.C. Treader today, their center. But there are still guys who they feel really confident in. I just feel like if, if, at the way it stands today, if you want to, if Deshaun Watson wants to go someplace and win immediately, if it's not San Francisco, and we, you know, San Francisco may or may not be involved, but of the teams who have already met with Deshaun Watson, to me, the Browns do make the most sense.
0: So Baker Mayfield is done. He, I mean, yeah. Listen, how do you go back that? to him now? He's already kind of a, a, a lunatic. Exactly. How do you go back to him now and go, all right, Bake, let's go.
4: Yes. No, I, I I. totally agree. I mean, I, I put this out there today. I mean, if the Browns are going to get on a jet and fly down to Houston and talk to Deshaun Watson on the same day, this man is about to be deposed in a case about 22 allegations of, of sexual misconduct. I, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm, to, I'm I'm ticked off about that, man. I'm, I really am. And, you know, I, I know that the Browns have said all the, the things about, oh, well, we're planning on having Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's our quarterback and this and that. But if the moment that plane lands in Cleveland, my agent, if I'm Baker Mayfield, would be on the phone and say, trade me. Like, you don't want me, trade me. And I, you know, I've had people in my mentions all day like, oh, well, Baker's a professional and Baker's needs to, you know, just play it out. And Baker needs to do this and he needs to do that. I think at this point, it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo last year, you know what I mean, where you are trading up for a rookie who may or may not need some seasoning. And this guy is somebody who's already taking you to the Super Bowl. This is a totally different situation. You're already flirting now with somebody who's considered to be an elite quarterback who didn't play the entire season because he was dealing with allegations of sexual misconduct. I'm not playing for a team that wants to dump me for that. So, yeah, I I think that the, the Browns, they have to know that. They have to know how surly Baker Mayfield is and how he's always got the biggest chip you've ever seen on his shoulder. And there's no way in the world... I think that Baker Mayfield has not already played his last down for the Cleveland Browns. Well,
0: I'll tell you what, if I'm a Steelers fan and Deshaun Watson lands in the division with the Browns, I'm pissed. Mitch Trubisky yeah. and the Steelers apparently had a chance to at least get in the conversation. I listen, I don't have all the insider information. I assume the teams have vetted the sitch with Watson. Maybe there's gonna be women coming out here and just giving horrific details that'll embarrass a franchise. But if there's any franchise that is prepped. To deal with a creepy quarterback, wouldn't it be the Steelers who just dealt with Big Ben for 20 years?
4: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it would. But perhaps that's exactly why they don't necessarily want to go that route again. right? And I think especially in this day and age it's absolutely a different situation than it was with Ben Roethlisberger when he went through his allegations of misconduct. So, uh, I mean, I think there, I can't remember exactly who reported it, and I wish I could, because I like to give credit, but somebody from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette basically said, in all caps, like, you know, the, the Steelers are not going to pursue Deshaun Watson. And when you have somebody who's been covering the Steelers as long as that person has, and again, I can't remember who what their name is, and I apologize for that. But when you have somebody who's that well connected to the organization, it sounds like a report like that is coming from the highest levels of the organization. And by that, I mean the Roonies. So if the Roonies are like, we're not doing this, then they're not going to do it. And I respect the Roonies for that. I do.
3: So back to Baker Mayfield, Um, you know, it doesn't fail ever in the offseason with this Raiders organization of where Derek Carr could end up and is he on his way out. And while he's posting pictures on Instagram uh, from Walt Disney World and being able to go out as a family and everybody involved, uh, what Mm. about Baker Mayfield to Las Vegas?
4: I mean, it certainly would be interesting, right, if you start getting into the conversations of three-team trades and, you know, well, or four-team trades. And if Deshaun Watson goes to the Browns, then what are the domino effects of that, right? I mean, does, do, does Josh McDaniel somehow think higher of Baker Mayfield than Derek Carr? right? Perhaps, I don't necessarily know why he would think that, but let's just go with the hypothetical, right? Then maybe Baker Mayfield ends up there, and then the Colts finally have another option besides uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who, I mean, it just seems like that's the only real big option that they're going to have at this point after getting rid of Carson Wentz, which, yeah, they also should have done that too. Um, But, you know, the Colts have been talking about how they really want to make sure they have a quarterback in for the off-season program. So they could be another candidate to go after Baker Mayfield should Deshaun Watson come to Cleveland because Baker Mayfield's gonna be healthy for that. Jimmy Garoppolo still dealing with the shoulder injury um, and the shoulder surgery that he just had to have a few weeks ago. So he's not really gonna be ready until maybe the end of that off-season program in June into training camp in, J- in late July. So there's some interesting dynamics that could come into play should the Browns actually be able to land Deshaun Watson.
0: Ari wanted us to ask you: Is Baker Mayfield better than Derek Carr?
4: No. I no 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 no.
0: Well, that that wasn't I, Willie's point, Ari. Willie's point was that Carr could be traded, flipped somewhere for lots of capital, and Baker Mayfield could be the Raiders' quarterback. So, but
4: but here's the thing: I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that Derek Carr is going to fetch all that much capital. I mean, he's gonna, he'd get maybe a one, a couple twos. He's not going to go for what um, we saw Matthew Stafford go for. He's not going to go for what Russell Wilson just went for. It's, that, that's just not going to happen. So I get people tell me today, oh, Baker Mayfield's going to get traded for a one. Like, on what planet? One of what? Like, No. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, wow. not the way this works. And it's interesting to me because fan, fans always think that some things are like Madden where it's like, yeah, well, that one, that's a one uh, for that guy because he's like an 80 overall on Madden. Like, no, that's, that's not the way things work in real life. Carson Wentz just got traded for two threes, you know, and one of those things is going to come into it too. Did Carson Wentz have a worse season than Baker Mayfield? I don't really think so. I mean, would I rather have Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield as my quarterback? The answer is Baker Mayfield. But, like, objectively, Carson Wentz did have a better season than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was very bad toward the end of the year. I mean, the the Browns would have beaten the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay on Christmas if Baker Mayfield had, you know, peed down his leg and thrown four interceptions. So we can talk about whether or not Baker Mayfield was healthy, but he was out there. And if you're out there, then you got to play well. So... I, I yeah, I don't really know where that was going. But yeah,
3: the AFC West has <laughs> been act, active. Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, everybody's moving and grooving, shaking and bacon. Everybody but the Raiders. They still need something in the secondary. They still need a receiver. Are we going to see anything?
4: Oh sure, but you know, I I think it reminds me of the saying like "real G's move in silence," right? You know, if you're you're really celebrating all the things that are happening in uh, the first couple days of free agency, then oftentimes that's not necessarily going to translate into big wins in uh you know in september in october and certainly in december i mean i i just I, the, the chargers have made some good moves right like they, they have but i mean you have to look at that defense and say to yourself all right well khalil Mack's got to stay healthy he didn't do that last year joey bosa has a big history of injuries derwin james my goodness has a huge history of injuries and if all those pieces come together and they coalesce, then fantastic. But, I mean, the guy they signed today, Sebastian Joseph Day, good player from the LA Rams. You know, he's basically just switching locker rooms in SoFi Stadium. He has a sort of a history of injuries now, too, after he missed, you know, more about half the season last year. So when you're doing things like this in free agency, I'm just, I'm not going to crown somebody in March. I'm not going to do it. And, you know, if you look at the organization that McDaniels and Ziegler come from, The Patriots last year, I mean, that was the one of the first times we've ever seen Bill Belichick go on a big spending spree. And he did it because he had to help the young quarterback and really kind of rebuild the team after it had fallen off and fallen off for them meant seven and nine. So, I mean, I'm just not I I wouldn't panic here. I would say that if I'm a Raiders fan and I'm looking at the new regime that we've got there and I'm saying to myself, oh, no, what are they doing? What are they doing? Look, look. They will make the supplemental moves in free agency that they've got to make. And they will evaluate their roster early on in the early offseason program, which you can get um, by having a new head coach. You get to start earlier. You start to evaluate your guys in person. And then you start building through the draft. That's what they're going to do. Now, I I think that they've got to do a better job of hitting on some of these picks than the Patriots have done in recent years. But if McDaniels and Ziegler see the game the same way and all evidence shows that they do, and I don't think there's anything to really worry about just because the Raiders aren't so active right now.
0: Real G's move in silence. That's why we have you on the street cred. Thank you, Miles.
4: <laughs> it really adds a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. Hardcore, yeah, brother. Hardcore.
0: All right, Miles. Yeah. We'll see you. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs> Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Make sure you check out his stuff. Seemingly every day, he's up there writing 8 to 10 to 12 stories. He's a freaking lunatic, and he's a big part of PFT's programming on Peacock.
1: Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting Betting. with Sammy Sammy P.
0: Hours? Did it take hours to fill out your bracket? Willie, you can play against Willie. LVSportsNetwork.com. We've got our March Mania contest. It's free to get in. First prize is uh, cash and goodies worth upwards of fifteen hundred bucks. It's brought to you by DeCastro Verde Law Group, Finley Honda, iHeart Mac and Cheese, Sahara Las Vegas. It's our March Mania Bracket Challenge. LVSportsNetwork.com and includes that grand prize: a staycation, two nights, day dinner for two at the Sahara, free meals for a year provided by our, our uh, iHeart Mac and Cheese tickets to an upcoming VGK game and a player signed Jersey. And we'll throw cash in there as well. So get in. It's totally free. You get to go against Ari and Willie and myself. LVsportsnetwork.com is our March mania contest. Let's bring in Sammy P our gambling expert on Tuesdays from Nesson and Fox sports.
1: Sam, how you doing, buddy? Filled out my bracket, buddy. Felt, uh, felt pretty good. I almost said filled pretty good, but I hope it's filled pretty good. um, I've got Kansas cutting down the Nets, but I run into this problem every single season. I always pick a team before the season, and I get looped into that when I take a team like Kansas at 20 to 1 in October, November, and then they're 7 8 to 1 in March. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to roll it through because I'm a sucker. But <laughs> that's the way my bread's buttered, baby. Kansas going to cut down the Nets, I hope, uh, to cash that 20 to 1 ticket from early in the season.
0: So give me some general principles. Give Vegas some general ideas of how to attack, one, the bracket, but more important, how to bet this whole thing.
1: Sure. So I always start by tracking the numbers when they come out on Sunday night. You know, These things start popping 30 minutes, 35 minutes before that first region goes up. Some books are quicker. I know South Point in the past has turned them around in 15, 20 minutes, but I think those books have learned their lessons because when you throw a bad line up, and you're rushing to get them up you can get exposed for ten, twenty thousand dollars within 15 minutes so i think it took about 25 30 minutes to get these up and and they were on the move and you know one of the biggest movers um in the early going was this colgate side you know colgate taking on wisconsin i saw one book throw up colgate plus nine and that lasted about i don't know 25 seconds And it just got whacked right away down to eight. Then it got hit to seven and a half. And that's pretty much where it is in the market. And the comeback on that play is that, well, Wisconsin's playing in Milwaukee. It's in their own backyard. Okay, that's fine. But let's dig a little bit deeper here. You know, Colgate shoots the snot out of the ball. Number two in the country in three-pointers made, 40% as a team. And the toothpaste, we'll call them. They've got four guys that can stick it from anywhere. It's not like it's one guy or two guys. They shoot well, but they pass well. They set up the open man. It's that hockey assist, right? It's the second pass to spring the open shooter. And I've also heard, Steve, a little bit about Johnny Davis at Wisconsin. He's going to play. We all know he's going to play, but is he anywhere near 100%? And I keep hearing no. And that makes me still like Colgate, even though you missed the 9 and probably the 8. You can still take Colgate plus seven and a half. That's a Friday night game, I believe, uh, in Milwaukee against Wisconsin. And that was the first bet I made. But I love to see the way that these numbers move within the first half hour, hour, 90 minutes of being posted when they come out. Sammy P., uh,
3: another underdog. And you talk about reading the lines, reading the numbers, reading into it, South Dakota State from the Summit League um, they're playing in Buffalo, closer to Providence, but South Dakota State's offense is extremely dangerous, catching two points. It's an eye-opener there in terms of Summit versus Big East. The oddsmakers are telling you that South Dakota State can win this game outright.
1: I've been battling with Providence fans for hmm. about five days now. <laughs> I think some of you guys saw that exchange. Like All I did was bring up their title odds on Friday when they're getting drilled by Creighton I think it was Creighton Creighton's up 30 points in the second half and I took to Twitter and I'm like this is why Providence is a hundred to one to win the national title and every Friars fan in New England is like oh my god you hater watch the games loser I'm like I literally just watched them lose by 30 Mm -hmm. stop telling me to watch the games I don't have to watch every single Providence game they're 25 and 4. All that said I wanted to throw that shade out there for a second all that said guys this is probably the cheapest price we've had on Providence all season long against a team from a conference that is nowhere near as strong as the Big Now, that doesn't mean that Providence is going to win. Clearly, the odds makers are higher on the Jackrabbits, and Willie, you brought up their offense. But I feel like the public dog is such a dangerous place to be in the opening round of the tournament. And, and there are two dogs right now. I've talked to multiple bookmakers in Vegas that are writing bets on these two dogs like people know the final score. And not sharp dogs, public dogs. South Dakota State is one of them. And the other one is Chattanooga. And Chattanooga's taken on Illinois. Illinois stubbed its toe in the Big Ten tournament again. Didn't really play all that well, but they've been rested up. And they had an early exit last year in March to Loyola. I was talking to Chris Andrews, and he told me, That 42 of the first 50 spread bets were on Chattanooga getting seven and a half against Illinois. Well, look at the screen, and Illinois is now an eight point favorite at some Uh shops. So, yeah, I know that that's always a situation I try to avoid. So, I think even though I think Providence is a fraud, they could beat South Dakota State in the first round and then get throttled likely by Iowa. But those are two teams that I'll probably look to fade before I bet. South Dakota State and Chattanooga, everybody's betting them. Everybody. The mailman, the bartender, the barber, the mechanic called me there. He's like, hey, I kind of like South Dakota State. I'm like, oh, man, they're screwed. A
3: couple of other close underdogs and uh, of interest possibly in Las Vegas simply because of the Mountain West. Colorado State catching two and a half. Boise State uh, against Memphis. Colorado State against Michigan.
1: I think Boise State, Willie, is in a really good spot. And you look at what the committee did for these guys, for the Broncos, they did them a solid, putting them right in their own backyard. I mean, it's not like it's you can't walk to the game in Portland, but it's a much easier trip for Boise State to Portland than it is for Memphis to Portland. And I think it's clear the committee not high on that conference with Memphis and Houston and all those cats. So I'm looking at Boise State here. You could get a three at Caesars. You could get a three at WinBet, And then a lot of books have two and a half. Uh, This opened two, but this is probably a coin flip game. I think this is going to be a game where it could be tied with a minute to go, and whoever makes that last shot is going to come home. I think Boise has better shooters than Memphis does. Memphis plays better defense than Boise does. But the committee did Memphis no favors here. I think they're a little under and they also have to go all the way into Oregon to take on a team from Idaho. That is not ideal for Memphis. As for the other team you asked about, Colorado State and Michigan, I just can't quit Michigan. I don't know what it is. I had them minus 130 in the Big Ten uh, tournament against Indiana. Market closed 170. They're up 60-43. to 43. And they lose the game, and I lose my bet. And people are like, Nice pick, Sammy P., you you moron. I'm like, All right. Well, if I told you they were up 60 to 43 with 12 minutes to go, what would you have said? You know, like that's my retaliation. Michigan is still cheap, man. And you could find them minus 135, minus 140. I pay more attention to the way that they started than they finished. And that could be, you know, poisonous again for me, but I'm probably going to lay the Michigan money line. I can get minus 135 in that game. They just have so much more talent and potential. But, oh, that's an ugly basketball team to watch on the stretch. Tell people in Vegas if they didn't
0: read the stories or haven't heard the talk about this with uh, the Superbook and the Brady return and maybe some inside info.
1: Yeah, they're not happy. And I think this stems from a conversation that you and I had a long, long time ago when I still lived out in Las Vegas about the integrity fees. And you know that these sports books have to pay the NFL integrity fees. And it's not like it's a hundred bucks or five hundred bucks. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars that the sports books have to pay to these leagues. And the NFL, as you can imagine, gets the most money. I've been told it's anywhere between five and ten thousand dollars a month that the sports book has to pay to the NFL. Well, these sports books get like nothing out of it. And, and I can tell you right now, I had multiple guys in Vegas tell me, hey, NFL, where were you on this knowledge that that Tom Brady might be coming back? Because these bets started coming in on Thursday. I think Cornegay and Murray and Sammons got popped at what, 60 to 1? Because they were bullish that he wasn't coming back. So they were high at 60. Then they they knocked it down to thirty, and this person bet it again. And now Tampa's 750, 8 to 1, 9 to 1. But I think the the concerns that the sports books have are that they're paying a monthly fee to be partners of the NFL. They pay this integrity fee, and the leagues never share anything important with the sports books. Like, you know, you have to get that game data and you have to get that sport radar information. So you have to pay the integrity fee. But the leagues oftentimes do nothing for the sports books. And I think this is, you know, I don't think, you know, the Super going to lose a million dollars if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. But if they were to get word or get wind of any possibility that, hey, psst, Tom Brady might be coming back two days, three days from now, the books could get ahead of it. And that's the frustration sports books that have to pay integrity fees but they don't feel like integrity is a two-way street of course to be expected with the nfl uh before we get you out of here
0: kentucky derby
1: yeah man i made a bet on a horse uh i had one of my guys out in vegas go make a run uh 10 days ago we bet on this horse classic causeway at uh, circa he was 20 to one circa is one of the only books in vegas that is taking kentucky derby future so you bet this at at this point in time and your price gets locked in you know a week before the race when they start to lock in post positions that that becomes paramutual, and the numbers start moving up until the race but there's a horse called uh, classic causeway we bet him at 20 to one and now he's 10 to one at circa I still think by the time we get to race day, this could be a horse. This is like three or four or five to one. We missed the big move on the 20. Well, not not me. You missed the move on 20. But that's a horse that could make a push and could be one of the big favorites in that race. I think Classic Causeway at 10 to one in Vegas. And then White Abario at Circa is 30 to one. These are futures. And I believe that the market will keep going down by the time we get to early May. Causeway is going to be 5 to 1. A Barrio is going to be 8, 9, 10 to 1. So if you can find a 10 on Causeway and a 30 on a Barrio, I'm just saying, you can bet them now, you can hedge off them, you can sell them, you can trade them with your buddies. I think both of those horses have much shorter prices by the time we get the Churchill Downs.
0: Chicken Dinner Podcast, Chicken X Dinner, up on Twitter, SP Shoot is where Sam is. Sam, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you, uh, well, at least I'll be talking to you uh, via text and other ways. Rest of the week, good luck in the tournament.
1: If we get anything good, I'll let you know. By the way, you know what tomorrow night is. Bryant plays tomorrow. We bet over 152, 155 now. So we did our jobs. They got to do theirs now.
0: Here we go. All right, Sam, thank you. See you. Westgate. Big NCAA parties going down all through the weekend for the first weekend of tournament action. Press box is going to be out there Thursday, Friday with the live show seven to 10 a we'll be out there on Friday one to four a little earlier show. Sylvia from comp is going to be on the scene Thursday and Friday, 10 a to two P and then clay Baker will be there uh, in the middle of the day on the, uh, over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, noon to two, uh, don't stand in line. When you get out there and you're watching the games, you can make everything easier, and you can certainly then get involved a lot more heavily with the uh, in-game wagering. You can make your bets with the Westgate Superbook mobile app, 24/7. You can freaking fund it with a Play Plus, uh, Play Plus account. Wager anytime in the state of Nevada. And right now, if you bet a hundred, you get a hundred when you sign up. So uh, get this thing, Superbook mobile app, before March 31st for the hundred hundred offer. Don't wait. You can go right now to WestgateLasVegas.com.
1: More of
2: Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios.